Adventures in Audio Land. Welcome to Point Noir, home of the Point Noir podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jerry the Third, aka Kimono Jack, fresh off of two straight days of nonstop traveling adventure from Botswana. Just arrived in Dallas this morning. Super happy, as always, for safe travel and super excited to drop this, our first of our weekly episodes, session four here at Point Noir. Thank you guys so much for your support, your comments, your feedback on the initial drop of three episodes. I was overseas at the time, and it was just really cool to see that people still caught the vibe. Even though things didn't go as spectacularly as I expected, you guys are still feeling what we're putting out, and our guests love the feedback as well. So keep it coming, y'all. Subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you think. Slide in those DMs, and definitely let us know who is looking to get sponsored for a passport. I will actually announce our winner for June at the end of this episode. I know we launched a little bit later in the month, however, we're super committed to getting that done. So we actually have a contestant. It'll be kind of exciting to work out some of the details. So as we continue to do this, we can kind of streamline the process and go from there. However, don't want to hold you guys up. Know you're looking forward to this drop. So let's get on to introducing our guest. Joining us today at The Point is none other than Mr. Roderick West. He's an architect by trade. However, he's an entrepreneur and adventurer by passion. You can follow him on Instagram at Rod, R-O-D underscore W-E, Rod Wee. The thing I love about this episode and what makes it so unique is that it's not only the first episode where I get to have a face-to-face discussion with my guest, but the vibe is just so chill. We're in a bar, it's a little bit noisy, we're drinking, we're just cutting up like adventurers would when we meet each other out in the world. You guys will love what he has to share about perspective, identity, paradigm shifts, traveling. I think you guys will really love this episode. So I hope you'll find a few minutes, put them aside, pour your favorite beverage of choice, join us in a toast, salute, cheers, and enjoy this episode. We're going to jump into the session. Roderick, welcome to Point Noir, man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we are live and in full effect. Cheers, my guy. Cheers. Dos Equis, man. I'm drinking my vodka. Man. On the rocks, because that's how I get down. But, um, yeah, happy to have you here live and in Dallas. Thank First you. live show. Like, that's lit. Thank you for having me, man. It's a, it's a, it's a privilege <laughs> to be on this. <laughs> hey, man, we just trying to, we just trying to add value and keep the positivity. But, um... Let's get things started, because we got a full row of drinks. Y'all can't even see it, so I might have to take a picture. <laughs> but, you know, I got my PBRs, because I keep it country. Uh, he's got his Dosa Keys, because he's a traveled man. So um, And I'm a Texan, man. This used to be Mexico, so I got to represent for the, for the history. I well, think I we guess. still owe him back taxes for this. We might, actually. <laughs> we might. Yeah, at least something more than Cinco de Mayo. But exactly. um, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, a little bit of your history, where you grew up from. Tell us about you. Well, I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. My mother is from New Orleans, so summer breaks, spring breaks, any break, holidays, we would be out there in New Orleans. So I, I credited a good amount of my upbringing to New Orleans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm architect by trade, uh, worked for HKS for about five years, and specifically focusing on hospitality design. And um, I'm just a true old Southern boy from Dallas, Texas, went to University of Texas at Austin and okay. experienced that whole growth out there. And, uh, one of seven kids, uh, six boys, one girl, and I'm second to the youngest. Okay. And so, big old family. I've been an uncle since I was two years old. Oh, damn. Went to high school with my oldest niece. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, so I'm family, 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 travel, experience, and try to take as much. Uh, my blessings, everything that I've learned, experienced throughout my years, and try to push that forward to helping other people as much as possible. Right, no, I definitely feel that. I mean, the, the positivity, paint it forward, especially being a family-centered man, I think one thing I picked up is uh, from traveling, I have a lot more family than I thought. Oh, for sure. You know, that adoptive family, people who look oh, after you for man. nothing, man. Oh, just, man. It's something to be grateful uh, for. The, the stories about going to one country meeting somebody or you might be in one country but you're traveling to different cities you one city you meet somebody that three cities later in the same country end up helping you out do something else right 
And so the 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 social not necessarily social sphere but the familiar sphere within world traveling. Yeah. Uh, come across so much good energy and you never know what that one person might be able to help you do in another type of setting. Right, you never, never freaking know. Um, so speaking of travel, like what kind of got you into traveling? Where are some places you've been? Uh, tell us a little bit about you, you know, your experience there. Well, when uh, first started, hey, how you doing? <laughs> hey, hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's, it's bar time, y'all, the happiest hour. Yeah, the happiest hour over at the quarter bar. <laughs> get it, Becky, get it, Becky. Hey. So what got me interested in traveling is I did an internship out there in DC back in, I wanna say 2010. I had to be about 21 years old at that time. Uh, I mean, I was running to a lot of people that did uh, travel abroad with their schools or they were part of the Peace Corps and just witnessing and talking to them and the way that they moved, the way that they spoke, the way that they uh, thought about different situations and so on and so forth. It seemed to be a great deal of out of the box. They were able to see things from different angles and different perspectives right. that people who are less traveled weren't necessarily able to. Right, a little bit more creative, a little bit more on the fly sort of stuff. Creative, on the fly, um, but they also had an understanding that was deeper than others. You right. know, folks that, and I'm about to pigeonhole everybody right now, but <laughs> go for it. Um, <laughs> folks that aren't traveled they seem to be stuck in a certain way of thinking and lack perspective, so to speak. When you run across people and experience different types of cultures, you see that your way of thinking is different than their way of thinking. Or at least not the only way of thinking. It's, it's exactly, it's not the only way of thinking. Not saying that your way of thinking is wrong, not saying their way of thinking is right, but you see different perspectives. And as a result, when you're hit with certain situations, you're able to see different solutions that others aren't able to as a result of your experiences. Yeah, that's something like that. And so, witnessing and experiencing people like that is what got me interested in traveling. Okay. Uh, it took me, I didn't get outside of the country. And when I mean outside of the country, I'm not counting the Caribbean or Mexico. I didn't get outside of the country until I was 25 years old. And that experience was a, it was a, a eye-opening experience and kind of yeah. opened up the floodgates yeah, yeah, for me yeah. to continue to jump out experience more travel more and um it, it, it helped me realize a great deal about myself as well as my experience experience as a black man in america mm -hmm. and so yeah man uh should i even dive deeper into that i mean where was the first trip to at least you know the first trip uh was to london mm. i was blessed uh, with the firm that I was working for at the time to do a three-month exchange program okay. out there in our London office. Okay. And my first weekend there, uh, one of my best friends, she lives out there in London, and her boyfriend, or now fiancé, is uh, a Frenchman from Paris. Okay. And so my first weekend happened to be Easter weekend, and they were going to Paris. Mm. And so they uh, let me tag along with them. Yeah. And Jerry, when I say I had the best experience of my life, <laughs> well, one of the holiest holidays, y'all. So it was, it was a, uh, it was lit. It, it was, it was very lit. Because um, her fiance is from Paris, and, yeah. And I butcher this every time I say it, but the month, 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 You got it way better than me. Hey, man, I'm just here to help. I'm yeah, here to yeah, yeah. Um, he stayed, he's from that area, so we stayed in that area. Yeah. And he had so many friends. His friends show up with champagne, wine. We, we're we pre-gaming at the house before we go to go to dinner. We're drinking at dinner, and I learned about the digestive and the aperitive. Yeah, and yeah, how, yeah. how that whole thing works out. And after the, after the dinner, we go back to a bar that's a local bar and we really pre-game in there so we pre-game for dinner and now we're about to pre-game to go out mm -hmm. and the, the bar scene there was just beautiful actually yeah it's a small quaint corner bar and mm -hmm. it was a very local and so they accepted me like none other yeah and then we ended up going out from there and experiencing even more and I found that through the end of my three month stint working in London. Mm -hmm. uh, I went back to Paris another time and I traveled through the UK a little bit while I was there. 
And what I found is a weight lifted off of my shoulders throughout yeah. that whole experience. And growing up in the South, uh, specifically Texas and Louisiana, I never realized how much racism weighed on my shoulders right. until I went over there. Dude, that's that's. A, I'll tell you how I knew when I walked through <laughs> when I walked through my first. Uh, I'm sure it was either a supermarket department store with a book bag on, and nobody looked at me because the way my mom raised me was: don't put your hands in your pockets when you're in the store. Yes. Don't walk yes. in with no bags. But guess what, man? If y'all haven't been, y'all haven't seen. A French person roll up with their own empty sack, put their groceries in their own bag, <laughs> and then quote unquote check out. Like y'all ain't seen nothing that, like that. That shit is real, bro. You'd be that like, is, oh, can we can we curse or should I keep it? Yeah, go for it. No, 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 no. <laughs> keep it funky, No, my apologies. <laughs> but like, I noticed my heart would be beating fast. I didn't steal nothing. I just got my backpack, but they got a security guard, and he's just there watching, not worried about me. Well, that's our conditioning as yeah, being bro. black Americans. Right. And I realize that shit don't mean nothing outside None. of the states. No, it doesn't. Well, let's let's really preface that. Being an American, black American over there in Europe, right, is different from being a black European. Yeah, but the conditioning that we experience, that we've been learned to, you know, to to accept here in terms of being nervous when I walk past security guard, because in the states, well, that. Speaking specifically to the uh, like the English, the black English folks mm-hmm. that I spoke to while living out there, they have some of the same types of experiences as us, uh, specifically my own here in the South. But the difference is, is they have a British accent and I have an American accent. Yeah. And with having an American accent over there, you're looked at as an American, yep. not an African American. Yep. And so with that comes a certain set of privileges. Yep. And Which is different than the brothers in the UK. It's different. Different. That's I mean, what even the black French that I ran into, at least. I don't know. Your experience might be a little Bro, bit actual, different. Actual, factual, man. I got an advantage being in Paris because I'm not of West Indian descent. Exactly. I'm not West African. Um, man, uh, black Americans are highly regarded. Right. We are all stars when it comes to travel. <laughs> Everybody wants to know us. We're celebrity. There wasn't a place that I would walk into. There's only a handful of times that I've walked into situations in which, as a black man, specifically with a beard, yeah. they might have thought I was Muslim. Mm-hmm. And so I've been confronted a few times mm-hmm. with that type of understanding. But as right. soon as they figure out I'm American and right. black American, going about your business. Put a little draw on it. It's very clear. Exactly. Exactly. But I'll, I'll talk about my, my experience in Madrid, in Spain, uh, with that. But, yeah, uh, when I moved over there to London and came back, the my mindset towards how I approached life. At this time, I was living in Miami. I was based in Miami. Yeah. Uh, but my mindset of how I approached life and living in the U.S. and just being an individual yeah. shifted, right? Because now I know what that privilege feels like. You can't go back. You can't go back. <laughs> you can't go back. And so now whenever I do receive any kind of static, so to speak, from someone of Euro descent yeah. here in the U.S., <laughs> I look at them like they're stupid and laugh at them. Right. And I take nothing from it. I feel bad for them more so than anything else. Now, don't get me wrong, the conditioning... Uh, when I walk into a store or walk into a bar or something ends up stolen or missing mm-hmm. in the area, yeah. I still feel as though all eyes are on me. Yeah. But my understanding of my situation as a black man has shifted. Yeah. No longer do I feel comfortable. Uh, I and Let me say, preface this, that I understand the difference and I appreciate our culture as African-Americans, mm-hmm. but I don't like being called an African-American. Okay. Specifically because there should be no qualifier in front of my American. Yeah. I'm an American first. Right. This is all I know. Right. This is as far back as I can trace my family. Mm. Uh, is all I know is being an American. Well, there's some French in there, Haitian in there. But there's no attachment to Africa besides my skin tone as well as the, I guess, the history that comes along with that. Right. Okay. And I truly appreciate. I, I gotta. I gotta preface this in the right way because sure, sure. Yeah, no hey, way. Hey, am frame, I, frame it. Set no, the framework. No way am I saying that. You, I'm, you gonna, you're not I'm like my African heritage. Right. 
and everything like that. I'm Wakanda forever, right? <laughs> gang, gang, <laughs> gang, know? gang. Keep it funky. Gang, gang. But um, I realized that no, you never call a white person a, a European American. They're just an American, right? Mm-hmm. My experience in Miami is that whenever a Latin person is talking about a white person, they call him an American. That American guy. Yeah. And I always have to catch him and be like, so what am I? Right. You're, you're American too. They had to clean up themselves. <laughs> like, let's be serious. I'm an right. American. I, I look just like... Yeah, well, that's a whole nother class, but right. yeah, man, uh, it just opened up my eyes to a whole new set of things. <laughs> no, dude, that that that, especially at that age, because I can relate. You know, twenty four was when I was taking uh, my big trip out. I'd already been to France before that, um, but I'm so grateful I did it because I was living in South Carolina. I'm from the East Coast. I'm from outside of Philly, so that for me was culturally constricting because I could feel the vibe. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about South Carolina overseas, they'd be like, "Oh, it's racist, isn't it?" I'm like, "Well." It's racist everywhere. Yeah. But, you know, that, you know, moving to, to Paris around that age really changed my self-identity and my, my self-esteem Word. for who I was and what I represented and what I could do. I mean, do I relate to that so much? Um, it, it's a powerful thing. Like, no, it, you know, and uh, speaking about Montmartre, uh, for those who might not know it, because <laughs> I hit the accent on it, but yeah, like, man. I used to teach black history in Paris. Beautiful. There are a couple... Um, Walking tours, Black Paris walking tours. What? Yeah, bro. I worked for one for a year. I uh, studied on the history. Montmartre was where the uh, the jazz musicians would come and hang and and play, and that's where they got introduced to us. Well, that's the thing right there. With traveling, you realize at a much larger scale how much Black culture affects world culture. World culture. Black that, American culture. They look at us as what cool looks like. Mm-hmm. And so back in the day when you would have those jazz musicians go over there, uh, they praised them. Bro, swing changed their lives, they changed their them. whole lives. And so when you have jazz, when you have blues, when you had any of those, those earlier types of music that spurred from slavery or after slavery and we, we boasted through and created these whole new genres and types of cultures and coolness factors mm-hmm. these kids from Europe the Beatles included right, came to the south and was praising folks like and don't quote me on this I believe like Muddy Waters mm-hmm. and they were coming yeah. to them and they were like oh my god we love you right. blah 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 and Muddy and them were like who are these kids with these weird accents right, right. where would you get that whack ass haircut from bro, for real <laughs> Not realizing that they were gods in Europe. Yeah. Because they appreciate our, our culture yeah. so much. You can look at the record sales, they'll tell you that. Alright, if you're a black artist, Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. he had to leave the US, go to Europe, UK, in order to make, to become the Jimi Hendrix that we know. Yeah. Because without going over there, who knows if we would even know who Jimi Hendrix was. Right? It wouldn't, I mean, we got, and that's that's a wild thing because we got so much talent, and there's there's just so much talent in our community. We breed talent, but once you hit that point of realization, that 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 point of perspective of who you could be, you bring that back with you. I mean, I've felt that ever since I came back. For sure. Every time I leave and come back, I'm just yeah. like, ah oh, man, it's an invincible feeling, bro. Right. It is. It is. It is wild. Yeah. It is. It is wild. So so okay. First trip to the UK. Shout out UK. All the bruvs, you know. <laughs> Garage music and all that stuff. Oh my goodness! You know, uh, it was an experience. <laughs> but what's, what's wild is like when you travel, you see people that look. You swear that's your cousin. Oh, for sure. And then he turns around with with his, you know, a little slightly squeaky English accent, and you're just like, <laughs> "What's up, bro? What's up, bro? Hey. Like you're just like, oh, you gangster. Oh, okay. You know, you know. Mind you, UK has a serious knife situation going on right now, mm. but um. It's just it's all about perspective, and and I've been able to connect to music, but just in general, like it's just lovely to see the, a reflection of yourself through a whole different set of eyes, a whole different set of eyes, a whole different yeah. set of accents. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, I can't I can't remember where I was. I was in some country, and I ran into some. Black you hear he just said some country like <laughs> I've been to, uh, somewhere in the alphabet. It I, starts I've with twenty one countries. And okay. Both, and, uh, great amount of cities within each country and so 
sometimes it just comes all together and I can't really distinguish it. No shade, no shade, no shade. <laughs> but I was in a, one of these countries and um, I ran into some black folks or that I perceived to be black. Mm-hmm. But they had the darker skin tone mm-hmm. and they popped out with their the language of that country. Mm-hmm. Accent full-blown and from there. Yeah. And it blew my mind. Yeah. Because for some reason I had the idea that we didn't exist in this area. Mm. But then I get there and see that we do exist. I'm like, God damn. Right? <laughs> All right, cool. I rock with this place. <laughs> right? Right? Yo, if you black Russian and like six foot tall uh, woman, hit, hit me up slide in my DMs, please. Hey, well, if, if, if you want to go down that route. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go there. Let's go there. We are... As black American men, we are aphrodisiacs, bruh, wherever we go, bruh, outside of the U.S., we are literally aphrodisiacs, bruh, it's, that's a whole nother podcast, (laughs) I mean, I don't even care if my mom's listening to this, but it's like, yo, like, we out here living, like, don't, don't block my shine, Mm -hmm. it's funny, I was, I was in South Africa, I was in Johannesburg, um, on a real vacation, so no work, which is rare that I take a real vacation, for sure. And I didn't realize that the cats down there imitate American accents to pick up chicks. Word. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, I need to make my way to Johannesburg. I still have not been to the continent, and that's something that is on my list. Okay. You, you let me know where you're going. Hopefully, I got somebody for you. Word. Um, uh, yeah, the continent. Dude, here's the thing. Johannesburg is wild because it's a 80, 90% black country. Mm-hmm. Without the history. So everybody who's like in middle management or account executive, they all black, they all young black people. Africa's such a young continent. Yeah. So you meet somebody like, she's yeah, yeah, I'm a marketing director. Twenty nine, twenty eight. Easy. And and uh, not understanding how big of a deal that is to us. Right, right. Like, oh snap. <laughs> so you mean you you was better than all the white people? They're like, no white people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, it's man, and that—that's a perspective change. But um, yeah, man. Hopefully, hopefully, it's, I definitely I see it's on your list. But you'll make it there. So hit Europe. Tell me about uh, another place. You, you've been to Asia. You've been to Saudi. So I've been to. All right. I, I pull out the list and just like name down. He's pulling out his passport, y'all. He's just flipping through, <laughs> looking at the stamps. Looking at the stamps. So in this case, I'm gonna mention the Caribbean as well as. Um, as well as Mexico. Mind you, I've been with the Caribbean because I haven't been. No, you haven't been to the Caribbean? I haven't. Oh, wow. I just, I've been doing the other thing. Listen, I'm a... That's that's a whole nother little puppy because... I've I, I seen their descendants overseas and I'm just like, oh, they're whole islands with yes. people that look like you? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. I, my family, like I said, is from New Orleans. Okay. And so, the culture there is somewhat reminiscent of... Of what happens in the Caribbean? Okay. As far as because it's a lot of Haitian influence there in, uh, yeah. within the world. Shout out to Haiti. Yes, sir. I'm actually going in two weeks. Two weeks. Well, next week I'll be in Haiti. What am I doing next week? I can't go. <laughs> but next time, I look forward to this experience, man. There's so much history and knowledge on that island that I just want for that portion of the island because right. you know you got separated from the DR and it's so those of you don't know uh, a Dominican Republic and Haiti are on the same island you'd never guess in Haiti's history the way they've supported uh, it's, it's a lot of French stuff which is why I know it but yeah. it's deep and like just always respect to Haiti just right. cause that, that whole thing between DR and Haiti how Dominicans don't like Haitians and stuff like that is just absolute yeah. BS to me but hey one was ruled by Spain one was ruled by France and then one became a free African nation the only the first one on this side of the in the Americas mm-hmm. as well as uh, really the only true African nation mm-hmm. here in the Americas still yeah I mean you can say Jamaica and as well as these other places but with it's a whole another whole another subject, but but for your history buffs, do your Google skills. Do, do your Google, do your man. Goddamn Google. And I'm so. hoping to learn more while I'm in Haiti, so I can speak more intelligently about it. But um, name of the places I've been, I've been to the Bahamas. I won't get down to the actual islands and cities in which I've been. Okay. But uh, the Bahamas, Jamaica, St. Martin, St. Thomas, Puerto Rico. Is that the UAE I see there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to that one too. Okay. <laughs> 
Puerto Rico, Cuba, Dominican Republic, Costa Rica, Colombia, Mexico, Canada, England, Belgium, Germany, France, Spain, Italy, Hungary, Austria, Czech Republic, as well as the UAE. Okay. Yeah. Catch my breath for a second. I know. <laughs> hey, man, you out here living it, bro. I, I might be at, I don't even think I'm in double digits for countries. I did the intense version, though. I did I, I did the deep dive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did the fucking deep dive. Or, so, like, out of all those countries where, you know, I know UK was your first trip. Uh, was there any other country that just kind of gave you just a perspective shift where you was just like, okay, I'm never going to be the same after this, either highs or lows, you know? The most recent that I can pull back to, as soon as you asked that question, one place that popped in my mind was going to the UAE. Okay. That was uh, specifically, I went to Dubai and I went to Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, yeah. which we got a lot of us out there. They recruiting black teachers out there to I teach their kids. Well, one of my homegirls is actually a teacher in Dubai. Yeah, and she loves it out there. Dubai and Abu Dhabi, it's yeah. like it's like goddamn Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> for real, it goes down in Dubai. I not so much. I didn't experience it as much in Abu Dhabi, but it goes down in Dubai. Yeah. So tell us about that, boy. So this is my first time traveling to a country that Christianity wasn't the predominant religion. Mm. This is my first time traveling to a country in which it was Islamic. Okay. All right. And just with all that goes on in the media and everything about uh, the Muslim faith, yeah. when you're over there, you realize that it's all bullshit. Were you familiar a little bit before or no? Well, I have a mentor that is uh, Muslim, okay. and he teaches me a little bit here and there. Yeah. Uh, so I knew that going off that, it, of course, it's bullshit right. what's going on in the media, but it, it took it to a whole nother level. You actually experiencing it. How much bullshit it was done. Right, right, right. Um, so what... I experienced out there is the Muslim faith is truly a religion of peace. Mm. The people out there are so respectful. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous how respectful they are. Yeah. And they live to the tenets of their religion, which is a religion of peace. That's what Islam is, right? Uh, they live like hell is real. <laughs> for sure. Shout out to all my Christians. I was <laughs> but, uh, but you, the service out there is impeccable. Yeah. People take pride in what they do. Mm-hmm. The um, I, I can't say anything negative about my experience in Dubai as well as uh, in Abu Dhabi. And side note, Abu Dhabi just opened up the uh, the Louvre out there. Okay. Architecturally speaking, yeah, beautiful. Museum. This is his professional accreditations, y'all. Professional, professional. Cosign that shit. Beautiful. <laughs> and and Dubai is an architect and engineering playground. Yeah. I, and I witnessed so much out there that just took my breath away. Yeah. I, I work in hospitality. Okay. I, well, I quit my job back in August, but I worked in right. hospitality. It wasn't until I went to a resort in Dubai that I realized what we were doing with these resorts. And I worked under in, in hospitality for almost five years. Okay. And I didn't realize it until I saw that resort. Yeah. It, it was... Astonishing. Yeah. I realized why people go to resorts. Yeah. To kind of actually unwind and relax. Because this thing is literally in the middle of the desert. Yeah. I'm like, who the hell wants to come to the middle of the desert? You go to that resort, you realize that you want to go to the middle of the desert. It's like a mirage out there. But um, being out there, experiencing the people, experiencing the culture, Mm -hmm. um, it shifted my mindset a bit as far as... Religion is concerned. Okay. As far as the way that people's cultures are concerned, as well as just my outlook on today's situation here in America. True. And so, as as that was definitely a place that changed me again after experiencing the UK. Yeah. Uh, but other situations in which I was changed, I would have to actually think. I mean, we'll take the first one off the rip. That's the one that's yeah. most recent, and that's the one that resonates, you know, still. You know exactly. what I'm saying? I think travel has put me in a situation, you likewise, where it's always perspective shift. You're sure. always seeing something maybe with your own eyes, and, and you know, that's really powerful because people will talk. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But you don't know their context. You don't know their circumstance. Yeah. I know people who hate Paris. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I hear that as well. Yeah, and but it, it, it's crazy to me because I had such a great time at Paris. But he talks about uh, you know the way the context in which you came in. You had friends. Exactly. You, you were you're probably more open than the average person. You know, if you come over to a different country expecting that you're going to be the, the you know the baddest thing walking just because you got an American passport. Oh, it it yeah. What I found that I first learned going to Paris and then as well going to Spain mm-hmm. uh, is that as an American we expect everybody to know English yeah you're in someone else's country exactly to go to them first speaking English is very disrespectful how would you feel if somebody just comes up to you in the US and just but butts off with another type of language. Like you're gonna look at them like they're crazy. We used to have a whole. You remember the campaign where um the whole uh, it was not too long after uh, 9/11, where businesses would have signs that it's English only. Like oh. we're we're assholes about that. And we forget that we're assholes. And about we're a that. country of no official religion. I mean, not religion. Well, no official religion, but as well as no official language. Really, English is not our official language. No. I we have you. no official language. We have no official language. That's wow. the predominant language, mm-hmm. but there is not the official language. There is no official language of the United States of America. Sneaky mugs. Okay. None. And so, what I found, though, to get back to it, is that when I was in Paris, people, if I go up to them and I say, "Parlez-vous uh, anglais?" Uh, if they could speak English, they were much more happier speaking English to me after me asking yeah. in their language. Exactly. But if I went up to them and was like, do you speak English? They'll look at me like I'm crazy. And that might have been folks with bad experiences might be going up to people like that. So you have to immerse yourself in the cultures in which you're going to visit. Right. Um, one experience, well, I would say it's kind of different because I wasn't with my friend mm-hmm. um, who, was, who was a Parisian. I wasn't with anyone I knew that was Parisian. Right. A work friend of mine ended up in Paris at the same time. So me and her just went to the corner bar in which my friend showed me. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that we're the only English speakers in there. We kind of migrate, get our drinks, because the bartender recognized me. Yeah. So he spoke a little bit of English. Yeah. And we kind of went off into a corner, having our conversation and kind of observing. A Frenchman comes up and speaks to us in French. Mm-hmm. We don't want to let them know that we don't speak French. <laughs> they were outsiders. Right. And so we're just nodding the whole time. <laughs> nodding. And so his group of friends comes over there, and it's kind of like a circle of conversation. Yeah. And we're constantly just nodding. Nodding. So it got to the point where we couldn't fake the funk anymore. Yeah. And dude uh, asked us something in French. Don't know what the hell he asked us to this day. Fair. Um, but they all just paused and looked at us, mm-hmm. waiting for our answer. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Balibu Angle? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, America! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just took us in. Yeah, bro. And started speaking English to us. And one of the guys kind of took my breath away with telling us that as French as the rest of the world, they look up to us as the leaders of the world, as facts. As whatever direction the world is going to head in, mm-hmm. American youth are going to be the one that determines. That's facts. And so that took my breath away. As as well as in Spain, I would go up to people. I'd be like, "Lo siento, estúpido americano. Yo hablo un poquito español." And so they would start laughing and speaking English to me, and, yeah. and it, it kind of it, it kind of got them off of their guard a little bit. Right. Uh, but that's the way to do it is to come and it's just a little bit just one phrase to say you know even if it's just bonjour madame bonjour monsieur uh, I don't speak French exactly <laughs> as long as you're giving an effort they, they appreciate, appreciate that shit so so they much appreciate. and I used to tell people on these tours I was like that's it that's the key just a little bit of that respect that understanding that yes I'm not home I need you for a second yeah. we can be cool but like yo it's you gotta drop the pride for those who just traveled exactly. out there um, because you know the United States is such a small portion of the world while it's influential a lot of stuff goes on that we're just not even aware of so exactly. come correct because <laughs> even exactly. in Paris 
exactly. you get dragged in the streets. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I've, I've seen a couple of fights. I've seen the police chasing Paris and all of that stuff. Hey, <laughs> yo, let me tell you, you know, no disrespect to law enforcement, but, you know, it is what it is. Their cops ain't eating donuts. Nah. Nah, they are fit and they will run after you. Yeah, they they ready. Yeah. They ready. I, I saw a cop chasing somebody on foot there in the UK, in England, and I didn't feel in danger at all. Yeah. Dude doesn't have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, the police over there in England never, nothing towards me. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And that was another thing about me feeling that weight of racism lifted off of my shoulders. Yeah, bro. I had no run-ins with the police. I didn't even feel anything towards the police over there. They were doing their job. Right. And what they were supposed to be doing, right? And, um, yeah, man. It was awesome. No, you're right on with that. It's, 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 and you don't realize how much sometimes that psychological weight is when you're in the States. Yeah. It, it can be heavy. And, you know, listen, some of the situations, our community, you know, people look at us like we're crazy. And it's like, well, look at the situation. Wouldn't this make you crazy, too? Oh, like, dead ass. Not to not to get too too deep, but you know, shout out to mental health mental health awareness month. <laughs> um, but no, like, there's some serious pressures. You know, whether it be economic, whether it just be racial, like going to a different country and experiencing that. You, I think you owe that to yourself. Definitely. Um, and if not, at least go see a different town. <laughs> go see a different town. For sure. Um, so, what's next for you? What what else you got popping? What? Well. Like I said, I'm going to Haiti next week. Okay. Um, what do we plan to do there? Just kick it or explore? So, or? I'm going with a group of friends. Okay. Uh, one of which family is from Haiti, and it's going to be her first time going. Her first time? How old is she? Uh, she I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah. Great actually, answer. I, actually, I, great answer. Yeah. <laughs> gentlemen. Rod's a gentleman, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and so, she is allowing us to tag along with her. And which I'm truly appreciative of. Oh, what an experience for her to have the, to for this to be her first time. Yeah. And so we're landing in Capetian. Okay. We're going to experience that, and then going to Port-au-Prince, and immediately going to Jack Mill. Okay. Experience that, and then back to Port-au-Prince, and then for Port-au-Prince we're going to go to Guenaïve. Okay. And Guenaïve back to Port-au-Prince. So then, how many days? This is a lot of travel. Well, I'm gonna be there for a week. Okay, okay. Four weeks. See, I'm going to be moving. Oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah, I'm going to be moving. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, outside of that, in June, I'm going to Nassau, Bahamas. Okay. And then, right now, I'm trying to slow down on traveling a bit in order to take care of my business. Okay. And, um, but on the list, my one of my top priorities to go to is, uh, I, I want to go to, and it's slipping my mind right now. For some strange reason, mm-hmm. it's in Africa. Okay, it's I got on, you. You go Nigeria, you go Ghana, East Coast island, Tanzania, Tanzania. Specifically, why am I forgetting this right now? I think it's because I'm on the I'm on the spot. He knows city names, y'all. <laughs> I just know countries. I'll, I'll get you in the right general place, but I ain't gonna get you there. Zanzibar, Zanzibar, Zanzibar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really want to go visit Zanzibar. Okay. And, it's um, beautiful out there. I got friends who've been the pictures, the water, bruh. bruh. One of my mentors is from there. Okay. And um, he had to leave due to um, political shifts back when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Dubai and ended up in Miami. And he blessed me with bringing me into his life as a yeah. mentor. And he, he likes it. He considers me a son, so yeah. it's even more than a mentorship kind of thing. I love the man. That's powerful. And, uh, he's from there and speaks so highly of it, and I really want to go visit Zanzibar and see see what it's like. Yeah. But uh, outside of that, I really want to go to South Africa. I really yeah. want to go to Nigeria. I, I need, I need, I need to visit the continent. Yeah. Because my friends that have been, I mean, including yourself, speak so, so highly of it. And... Um, my cousin just came back from uh, an art work, work exchange over there. Okay. And he's came back a different man. Right. And so I need, I need, I need to go to see where our roots are from. Man. Yeah, man. And, dude, that, that's a great initiative. And your commitment to it is, is commendable. Um, you know, and if it vibes with you, go out, see the motherland. Some people, I feel like, do it as kind of like a... 
oh, you know, everybody else is doing it. I feel like this is what I should say. Hey, if it doesn't work for you, don't go. Like, exactly. Ain't no judgment. Live your life. Exactly. You know, live your truth, beloved. But um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to be around the different countries. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to see the western part, the southern part, right in the middle, in the Congo, be on some islands. Like, you really get an idea for the diversity of the con is wild. We're 54 countries, and they all different. I can imagine. All very, very I could different. So, the first thing I thought about uh, when you say it in 54 countries is that Europeans drew those lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I was, just, I was just in Burkina Faso. They have over 60 different ethnicities Ain't that something? in that country. And so many different dialects and languages and the, the, the culture itself. It, 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 one thing that disturbed me while I was doing my travels is that people do not consider Egypt a part of Africa. Bruh, dude, I, that disturbs me to no end. Egypt, Tunisia, like, listen, listen, y'all. <laughs> do your goddamn Googles. Like, learn your history and just deal with it. Like, and it's because, unfortunately, and I think this is a, this is a human thing, this is a people thing, our, our concept of time is so recent. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much in our lifetimes. You know, there, there are those of us, you know, millennials, black millennials, who, who think that, you know, civil rights was so long ago. It was oh, the 60s, man. my guy. Like Our parents lived through that. Our grandparents lived through that. Yeah, so it's like if it didn't happen the past 25, 50 years, it didn't happen at all. And Egypt has gone through some cultural shifts over its long, long history. Mm -hmm. And uh, some things happened. Most of the population is a little bit lighter now, but yeah, I used to be... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can look at the hieroglyphs and tell what your complexion used to be. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's like I don't, I don't want to get into it. Yeah. It's, it's a big deal where people from Northern Africa don't feel like they're Africans, and it's like it's crazy. Oh, okay. Word. Like, yeah. I do. All right. <laughs> like, you gonna lead this pyramid tour or not? Like, <laughs> well, my, oh, where, where did we go? Uh, I, I can't think of exactly where my cousin went, but. Before he posted this uh, video on Facebook, uh, his travels over there to Africa, I had a conversation with the individual, and they believed that before slavery and such, that Africa didn't have any impressive structures, any real impressive culture, didn't have anything notable. And I had to remind them that the knowledge of the world literally came from Africa. Like, <laughs> Dude, on that point, here's the thing. You know, in this, y'all might be able to relate to this. I don't know where you're from, but you know, they'll say, "Oh, you know, he's off somewhere in Timbuktu, like it's some non-existent magical fairyland place." No, Timbuktu used real. to be the center of knowledge of the world at its time. Yeah, you had to spend ten years in school to become a doctor, to become a professor in the universities. Ain't that something? Ten years of training and. Timbuktu is a real place. Do, do you goddamn Google People don't realize that Roman knowledge, Greek knowledge of that time, they came to, went to Africa in order to learn their stuff. Yep. They don't realize that prior to the Mormon invasion and rule of Europe, that they didn't have infrastructure. They didn't have knowledge or the, the, the uh, governmental structures or whatever else have you, the societal structures, until the Moors came in there. Yep. And gave it to them. Yep. Built it. Really. Uh, there's castles there to this day that have built, been, were built by the Moors. But specifically, I'll come back to the point, is that my cousin was out there in Sudan, and he published a video of pyramids in Sudan. Mm. And it blew my mind. Yeah. But these structures, these architectural beauties, yeah. exist all up and through Africa. If they had not been torn down, right, to hide the history, quote unquote, right, like, who knows, right? I, I wasn't alive during that time, and we don't know how much history is hidden. But you know, some, some <laughs> people got agendas, you know, hidden agendas, <laughs> egos, and shit like that. You know? <laughs> gang, gang, Napoleon gang. Yeah, yeah we won't uh, talk about that. No, uh, yeah, man, we. <laughs> I was like, I, I even, I can't. I, uh, honestly, I'm not read up enough, but I know, I understand the the flow of it. I know enough of the history, but. The Moorish influence, y'all. Look up the Dark Ages. Just see if yeah. that's if that's your tip. You know what I'm saying? And I love these conversations because it's not even on some hotep type stuff. Like mm -hmm. 
this is just actual factual, man. This is just history, and it's history that there's no advantage to teaching this in the states, which is why sometimes you go to other countries, they tell you stuff about your people that you were like, uh-uh. Yeah. Then you go in your Googles. Democratization of education and knowledge, y'all. Get in your Googles. Yeah, and while you're on Google, look up Mansa Musa. Shoot, <laughs> shoot. You think you think you blinging now? <laughs> look up Mansa Musa and understand what uh, what kind of history uh, we you actually. Want, you want to see an economic crash? Oh, who <laughs> goes through places and crashes economies and still <laughs> exists on coins? Like, man, man. yeah. That's a whole nother subject. Whole nother subject. This is the type of stuff you learn while traveling. Right? Yeah. You, as a black American, you, and let me speak for myself. As a black American through traveling, whether that's been through South America, whether that's been through Central America, whether that's been through the Caribbean, whether that's been to, let's say, Canada or Mexico, whether that's been to Europe, uh, whether that's been to the Middle East, like, as a black American, you learn so much about yourself mm. and the shackles, the mental shackles that's placed on us seem to just not even come off. They deteriorate. They just non-existent. Like, you don't need to break the chains. They just go away. Right. Uh, your whole, at least for me, my whole mentality shifted. And so... I had a conversation with uh, someone before in which I was, I, I just say it straight out, I was working under someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they came to me and said, Roderick, why don't you buy a new car? Because I, I, I have an old 2006 Mitsubishi Eclipse that's been with me for since 2006. Right. Right? And my baby still purrs and she's doing good. Uh, why don't you get a new car? Uh, why? <laughs> and then I said, I don't have money to buy a new car. Right. And he said, Well, that's because you're out there just wasting your money. He said, I spend my money on traveling. Right. I spend my money to better myself, which makes me a better employee for you. Right. And you really had no comebacks. <laughs> no co- silence. Just so, so people, when they consider folks traveling, some folks consider that a waste of money. Mm. When I consider it an investment within yourself. It's an investment for sure. And so you have to invest within yourself because at the end of the day, through my travels, now I am open to more business opportunities. I see more trends and possible things that I can take advantage of as a result of seeing it in these different places. Right. And see, specifically, like I'm back here in Dallas and and the thing that I'm moving on here we were talking about earlier off the record was a entertainment park that I'm working on here. Mm-hmm. And what's that, the name of the park, by the way? It's going to be called the Field. Okay. And it's going to be over there in Deep Ellum, uh Farmers Market area. Okay. And so that idea was based off of me living in Miami. Okay. I mean, this isn't any even international travel. I'm talking about that. Right. Spurred this idea. Basically, your own backyard. Based. Yeah. And so I used to play on a soccer field that was underneath the highway over there. And it influenced my idea to bring this new development here to Dallas, in which hopefully it'll be open by November. Okay. And so that right there is going to fund many of my different other projects as well as traveling even more. Right. To um, possibly bring even more businesses back to my home and kind of, not even kind of try to help influence others to do the same thing as far as traveling is concerned and better themselves. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, traveling is, is not just for you. Like, if you're traveling for for sex, right? like, sex traveling, not worth it, bro. You can go down the street and get sex, bro. Right. Whatever. Go to Vegas. Right. Do that. Uh, when you're traveling, travel to experience a culture. Travel to see something new. Uh before you travel to go party. Yeah. I mean, partying is going to happen. Sex might possibly happen as well. But <laughs> let's let's not make that your focus right. when you're traveling. Focus on experiencing the culture. Mm-hmm. Focus on coming back a better person. Right. Focus on being able to 
go to these places, meet people, and have lasting relationships. Yes. Because I'll talk about one experience when I went to Spain. I did the, uh, I went to Pamplona to do out from uh, San Fermín, which is the running with the bulls. Yeah. I so, figured you was going with that. You just, you just seem like the type. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. And so I ran in the streets with the bulls. I ran in the arena with the bulls. I even came back to Miami and realized that there was a bull on my ass. Yeah. That one of my homegirls saw me on Snapchat, a video of me on Snapchat. I didn't realize I was running for my life from a bull, but I had a feeling that I needed to jump out of that arena. <laughs> and if I would have stopped or second-guessed myself, that bull would have cleaned me up. Wow. Kind of thing. But it's from that experience, the camp that I went with, there was a young man that... Um, that I met on another leg of my journey through Spain, Mm -hmm. randomly. I went from Pamplona to San Sebastian. Okay. If San Sebastian's not on your list, it needs to be. It's- I'm gonna put it on mine. It's per capita, has as many Michelin rated restaurants as Paris. The food there is amazing. You do a thing called uh, pincho hopping. Mm -hmm. Instead of bar hopping, you go pincho hopping. In which pinchos are the same thing as tapas, but okay. you're in a different region of Spain, so they call them pinchos. And so you go to one of the restaurants, you get three uh, pinchos of your choice. Get a uh, capri, not capri, you know, uh, what do they call it? It's, it's red wine and coke mix. It sounds disgusting, but it is refreshing. No judgment, hey. Listen, it listen. is refreshing. Thirst is thirst, you gotta hydrate. Yeah. Exactly. And so you just jump from bar to bar, eating and drinking, eating and drinking, eating and drinking. Wonderful experience. But on the bus from San Sebastian to uh, Madrid, mm-hmm. I ran back into the guy that was heading the, the camp. Yeah. And so we're just sitting there talking, shooting shit on the bus the whole way. And an American girl, a black American girl from San Francisco, I want to say, just randomly happened to be sitting next to us. Right. So we start chopping it up with her. Well, Ash is uh, my guy's name. Mm-hmm. Ends up going on his journey. But now I'm with this uh, American girl. And she brings me out with her and her friends in Madrid. I start meeting more people and then end up meeting someone that gave me a whole tour of Madrid the next day. Wow. And so my experience in Madrid outside of another little occasion was, was great. Yeah. And Ash ended up going to Carnival in Brazil and riding up in Mardi Gras um, in New Orleans. No. I was there at the same time, my family, like I said, is from there. I was able to show him a good time in New Orleans. Full circle. Full circle. So he was able to show me a great time in Pamplona, uh, to do a conversation with him, put me in a great position to have a great time in Madrid, mm-hmm. and I was able to pay it forward for him in New Orleans. And so this type of stuff happens all the time. Consistently, y'all. Like- all the time. I, but I think I think that's really good advice. I usually ask my guests, you know, what's uh, what's a piece of advice for people thinking about travel and just to go out to explore more about yourself, to gain a deeper understanding of the culture, and really engage. I think I think that's that's best said that way. And it's okay to travel by yourself. Sometimes it's the best way to do it. I'm a big proponent. I'm biased, <laughs> but. You know, and and I, this has actually come up on some other segments. But the thing is, listen, if you don't know you, how you know how you're gonna act with a whole bunch of other people? Like that's keeping it funky. And sometimes the things you experience are just for you. Yeah. We all have our different perspectives, our different things to to realize, to to become aware of. A moment for you is not a moment for everybody. Yeah. So it's traveling true. alone, at least for a day, if you're on a six day trip with friends, take that. Um, but dude, thank you for stopping by. We're in this bar. You all can probably hear this music. We got a DMX playing. Don't give it to you. You know, that, that's what it is. It's, it's been pretty lit. Uh, we almost threw all our beers. Uh, I still got some vodka left. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned your uh, entertainment park. Uh, tell us how we can find you and kind of what else you're working on. Well, Instagram, I'm Rod, R-O-D, underscore, we, W-E. And, um... Uh, I, I guess I'll start posting more about my project on there. Um, the uh, the development is going to be called The Field. And okay. What, what I'm looking for with that is to bring uh, a place of gathering as well as a place of um, really exercise and just experiencing the outdoors, repurposing uh, an area that has been neglected. Mm. And for y'all that don't know the history behind uh, 345, and the black community that existed 
over there in the arts district as well as what Deep Ellum used to be back in those days. Google. Yeah. Do you Google skits? It's it's a lot of history over there that is being uh, washed away. Uh, One of the buildings that's over there actually is the first building in Texas built by a black architect with black money for black businesses. And it's currently being redeveloped for another development that's happening right there on the corner of Elm and Gaston, I believe it is. Uh, But there's a lot of history over there. But this field that I'm developing is uh, five soccer fields, two of which that you'll be able to play soccer on, I mean football on, flag football on. Mm -hmm. Uh, The event line that will have food trucks uh, where people could actually rent out the whole event line if you want to actually have parties or whatever else have you. Um, thinking about having DJ sets out there as a as a chill space for folks to to go to on a Sunday or a Saturday during the day to do some day drinking or whatever else have you. This thing is um, is, is going to be big for the city of Dallas and hopefully a focal point for our community to gather in. Absolutely, and something positive, which is something which is what I'm always trying to promote here on the show. So I appreciate you bringing that energy through. I'm in Dallas. I'm a local yokel now, so I'll be here yeah. for a couple more years. I'll be checking it out. Yes, sir. Um, but, dude, thank you for stopping by Point Noir, hanging out in this bar. Like, if I could do all my interviews like this, I did as <laughs> would because I'm super easy, and this is, dude, this is just another day, you know? Oh, um, so, thank you, Roderick, man. We're going to make sure you put your info uh, in there. Jerry, thank you for having me, bro. Man. I really appreciate it. Dude, thank you for sharing. That, that's what it's all about. And if anyone has, if I can help out anyone as far as questions um, in regards to traveling or you have questions about different countries that I've been to and you're going there and want to link up with somebody that I might have a contact with still in that country, yeah, so hit me up, uh, Rod underscore we on Instagram. And I'll try to help you out as much as possible. Yeah, or how about being a goddamn architect? Well, <laughs> I am an architect as well. And so if you need your, your house designed or you, you're working on a hotel or whatever else have you, holla at me. I yeah, got you. Yeah, you're going to do it. All right, well, we're going to sign off for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. And uh, check out the show notes for all this contact info. Thanks for visiting Point Noir, y'all. We've been having a good time, so we hope you did too. Peace. Peace. Hey, we out here. Like I told you guys earlier, just two adventurers kicking it over a few drinks, shooting the shit, sharing stories. Rod, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciated you sharing your time, and I think you dropped some dope stuff for everybody. Loved how you talked about coming correctly when you're in a country and don't speak the primary language. You guys, that means so much. And I also love the insight about never knowing how far relationships will go or how long they'll go when people start reappearing in your own journey and you're able to help each other in different ways like it, it's super super cool and happens way more often than you guys think if you haven't experienced it yet make sure you guys follow my man on instagram at rod underscore we i know he just came back from haiti got some dope pictures up and he's got this awesome project the field going on right here in dallas texas in deep ellum so if you're out here and you're here in this episode y'all need to check that out support the brother man at rod underscore we i'll definitely be tagging along to see what's going on with this project and see what other kind of great community atmospheres he's out here creating. Definitely an interesting brother, and I'm glad he could spend some time on the show. While you're following him on Instagram, make sure you spend some time to subscribe, review, or share an episode that you really enjoy so far. We have four in the bank here at Point Noir, and we're going to keep them coming. But we definitely need your support to keep the momentum going. So hit me up on Instagram, at Jerry underscore the third. If you're on the Anchor app, leave some claps on it. If you're on the iTunes app, just leave us a five-star review and a comment, just whatever you have time for. We super appreciate it. Again, this has been another awesome session here at Point Noir, session four. And as always, I'm your host, Jerry the third. And here I am, signing off. Oh, but wait, there's more. I did not forget. Promises were made and promises shall be kept here at the point. I promise that I will reveal our awesome winner for the month of June for our passport giveaway. And I'm proud to say it is none other than Mr. Corey J. Adventures. Give that man a round of applause. If you've been following the show up to this point, you'll know easily that he was our guest for our last session, session three. And upon learning he didn't have a passport, I thought he'd be a great fit for our first month 
since it was already short in the month and we haven't quite finalized this process yet. So I'm so looking forward to working with Corey J Adventures on getting him his passport, kind of ironing out the kinks in the process. And even more than that, I'm looking forward to sponsoring more people. Every month we do this. So get your submissions in. I know a few people have hit me up on Instagram already. We have all that stuff captured. But leave a review, leave a comment, Twitter, Instagram, we're out here. We're looking for people. Because if y'all don't send them, I will literally walk around Dallas with a microphone and just ask people if they have passports and buy them for them. We're so dead ass about this. So please, we need your support. Keep following the show, keep giving us the feedback, and definitely give us your submissions. There's someone out there who's in need, and we're here to help. We're going to keep doing awesome shit here at The Point, so stay tuned. And again, big up to Corey J Adventures. Talk to y'all soon. Peace.